you know, with Devin here, I figured maybe I'll switch things up and I'll use a little story of Devin's and mine to introduce the sermon. So this is a last minute edition, uh, but I think it's applicable because today we're going to talk about being qualified. And let me tell you uh, about Devin and myself uh, a little bit. Uh, we go way back. Uh, we would be camp counselors together, and uh, our friendship was one where we would be like the closest ever for a week, and then we would, would not talk to each other for like a year, and then we'd see each other again at camp. We were so fired up to see each other and be with each other. And uh, another one of those things that we did uh, you know, every summer was go to these ICMCs, the, the International Campus Ministry Conference. And uh, if you know Devin, he was in campus ministry for kind of a long time. And uh, Devin and I were sitting together, and I remember distinctly there was uh, just a big sermon being preached, one of the main sessions, and Devin and I are sitting next to each other, and, uh, and this guy is up here, and he's like, let me tell you a little bit about being qualified for the ministry. You want to go on a mission team? You've got to learn how to comb your hair. And then, and then, uh, and then Devin just kind of like goes, and sinks down and see a little bit, like, you want to you wanna lead a campus ministry someday? you got to have a clean room. And Devin just kind of like <laughs> sinks a little bit lower. If this is your seventh ICMC, and then Devin just like slinks onto the floor. <laughs> and so uh, that day, Devin and I uh, vowed to one another, uh, dude, if we're not working in campus ministry, we're not coming to another ICMC. <laughs> <laughs> we got to move on a little bit. we got to get fired up. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking about being qualified. We're going to be talking about being qualified. So go ahead, open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy. That's where we're going to be, at least for the beginning, and then we're going to dive in somewhere else. We've been in the book of 2 Timothy, and Trace has been preaching about fanning into flame the gift of God, which is the Spirit. That's exciting. He's preached a lot of sermons about this. I want to read just one passage in in 2 Timothy, but then we're going to go somewhere else, some other writing of Paul, because I think these things connect, and so we're going to talk about it. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Trace did a whole sermon on being strong in the grace, so we don't need to talk about it again. But, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of, G- of Christ Jesus. So, Trace has gone through a number of these uh, verses. We, he's preached whole sermons on these different topics. We're not going to rediscuss them now. But I do want to highlight one thing that Paul says here in verse 2 and 3. He says, The things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Then he goes on to say, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but these two things, you know, uh, what goes through my mind when I hear those two things is one, how do I know if somebody's reliable? And how do I know if I'm reliable enough to be entrusted with the responsibility of teaching anyone else? I want to be reliable. I want to be qualified. I I, want to be... I want to be somebody who can pass on the gospel to other people. But am I reliable enough to do that? Am I qualified enough to do that? Because if you're like me, you probably don't feel like you're reliable enough. 
You probably don't feel like you're qualified enough, that you know enough, and uh, you don't want to be trusted with something as massively important as spreading the gospel to the rest of the world. I don't know about you, but that strikes me when I read that verse. Second, okay, if let's say we are reliable, we are qualified, Paul says, join with me in... Uh, you know, what, having like a cup of tea, uh, you know, like uh, going to Buffalo Wild Wings, watching the game. No, it, join with me in suffering. Uh, sorry, Paul, uh, I, I'd really rather not do that. I kind of enjoy my life of comfort. Uh, for example, um, <laughs> uh, Alec and Andy Garcia, they have a car, right? And in their car, uh, it doesn't have oh, I don't know, like all of the regular things that you might hope that a car has. Wow. It's a brand new car, but you still have to, you know, roll down the window. And that's, man, doing that work, that's just, that's more difficult than just, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's just a silly example. But how much do we get like that? Yeah. And, and then if, let's say, you know, let's say that you have a car that's had power windows for a decade. And then you get another car, and it's, you know, it's a little bit more of a beater, or it doesn't have all the options, and you're like, your life is the worst, because it's hot, and, and you get in your car, and you just like, you want to cool down quickly, and it... <laughs> join, join with me in suffering? I just want to, you know, roll down my windows quickly. It's real life, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's my belief that in this, in this short amount of the Bible, in this passage, two things are identified by Paul that are huge reasons why disciples aren't effective. It's two reasons why disciples don't just go after growing the church. One, because they don't feel like they're qualified. And two, because they don't want to suffer. And it's hard to have both. They don't feel like they're qualified to teach. They're not willing to suffer. Have you ever wondered why Paul and Timothy were able to get beyond those things? You ever wonder why they were actually able to be effective? Let's talk about that this morning. Let's talk about being qualified. Because as, as you'll soon see, I don't think that this charge from Paul to Timothy was a one-sided conversation where Paul was only talking to Timothy, and these things only applied to Timothy, and we can now sit in a position where we say, oh, well, he's talking to Timothy, so that doesn't mean that I have to aim to be qualified, that doesn't mean that I have to find other people that are qualified, and that certainly doesn't mean that I would have to suffer. It means all the opposites of those things, as you might have guessed. We are all to join in the suffering like a good soldier of Christ. Wouldn't you like to know how to be qualified? Wouldn't you like to be able to be effective? Uh, I'm excited because the, the campus ministry right now in our Bible classes on Sunday morning, uh, we're going through a series we're just calling uh, Making Disciples. Uh, because we're wanting to take on the responsibility of learning how to study the Bible with our friends. And this is important because we want to be qualified, we want to be reliable, we want to be able to teach. And so we're spending our time Sunday morning to be able to try and learn how to do that. Uh, but this morning, uh, this morning, we're going to look at a bit of uh, Paul's philosophy of ministry. Uh, what was it that allowed him to get beyond what might really be a struggle for a lot of people to get beyond? Uh, go ahead and turn your Bibles over to uh, the book of Colossians. We're going to be in Colossians for a little bit. 
And you know what? Uh, can I tell you a quick story about Colossians? We have time for another story? Okay, great. So, uh, I'm a fan of the book of Colossians. Let me tell you why. Uh, Michelle and I went to a small liberal uh, arts school in the suburbs of Chicago called Elmhurst, uh, Elmhurst College. It was small, uh, like uh, 3,500 students. Uh, Devin's on campus there every once in a while now. Uh, Devin and I pr pretty much swapped lives. Uh, he is living where I grew up. I'm living where he grew up. It's cool, and we still never see each other. And so... <laughs> Uh, but we're, we're going to this school together, and at Elmhurst College, it was just kind of a known thing on Friday afternoons, ultimate Frisbee. And you just know, if you go to the main quad, uh, you're going to be able to play a pickup game of ultimate Frisbee. And so, uh, you know, uh, me being uh, who I was, I enjoyed playing. I'm like, hey, I want to meet people. I want to have fun. And so I would go, and uh, I, I would play ultimate Frisbee with a couple people on Fridays. Now, Michelle and I, uh, at this point, uh, I'm a freshman. She's a sophomore. She found out that I was going to a Bible study. She's not a disciple at this point, but she's like, you know, super spiritual and wanting to go to Bible studies. And she found out me, you know, I'm going to Bible studies. And so, you know, Michelle, uh, Michelle found out that I would typically go to these, uh, you know, to these uh, Friday afternoon ultimate Frisbee things. And so I, I would go and um, uh, Michelle... <laughs> Uh, Michelle, knowing that I was going to be there, kind of like set up camp and waited for me because she knew I was going to walk by. The, she, she, told, she told me this later on. I'm not just like puffing myself up. All right, so, so she, she's, like, she's like just sitting out on the quad knowing that I'm going to be there and she's got her Bible open and she's like flipping through her Bible and I'm playing Frisbee and I'm, you know, I got the Frisbee and, and it's like, oh, uh, hey Michelle, uh, didn't know you were going to be here and Oh, uh, what are you doing? And she just looks at me she's like, reading Colossians. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you, my favorite book changed real quick. Uh, and I started saying that out. So whenever I, I, uh, I read Colossians, I, I think about Michelle. And, uh, um, but anyway, let's, let's jump right in. Let's jump right in. C Colossians 1, 24. And uh, I think you guys are going to see how this connects to being reliable real quick. Verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. There's one of those things already, right? And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Alright, so why look at this verse? What's going on here? I, th I think it's important that you get a little bit of context. Uh, Paul, right now, as he's writing, he's in prison. And he's writing this letter to the church that's in Colossae. And a, a lot of times, Paul is writing to churches where he knows a lot of people, or he's writing to a church where he planted the church. Uh, that's not necessarily the case in this letter. Uh, he actually hasn't yet met these people face to face. Uh, he, he didn't plant the church, uh, but he heard about their faith, and then he proceeded to write them this letter to encourage them, and because he uh, is you know, a minister of the gospel, uh, and he knows of this body, and he's been entrusted to talk to Gentiles about the message, uh, he feels that he should write them this letter, instructing them on how to live the Christian life. And so uh, that's kind of the, the, the place where we're at for the book of Colossians. Uh, right off the bat, though, we can see the connections between what Paul is writing in 2 Timothy and what he writes here. He starts off by saying that he rejoices in what he is suffering for them, 
for the sake of the body, the church. Uh, he understands that suffering is part of it, and he probably understands it really well because he's currently sitting in prison as he's writing to them, uh, trying to minister to them. But as he's writing, you can kind of notice it's a very personal message. You notice that? How many times that he said I or me or referenced himself? He says, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of the body, which is the church. It's all about him and his relationship to the body of Christ and to them. He's connected to them even though he's never met them before. Okay. So, Paul is, is talking uh, uh, about being a servant. And I think that this is the first thing that we need to understand when we're talking about trying to overcome this idea that we're not qualified, that we're not reliable enough, uh, and, and we're afraid of suffering. I think that this is the first part of it. He understands his place as a servant by the commission of God to present the word in its fullness. Go to 1 Corinthians 11. Stick with me here. But his view of himself is incredibly important. In light of God, but his view of himself, how he views himself and his role as someone who handles the truth appropriately is very important. And we can learn from him. Actually, the Bible instructs us to learn from him. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1 he says, and this is familiar to a lot of us, probably follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So the Bible instructs us to follow Paul's example. And I think that that goes for how he views himself. And so we should then take that and apply it to how we view ourselves as people who are trying to handle the word of truth. Does this make sense so far? We're all on board? Um, so, but why do we need that? Okay, why, why can't I just follow Jesus directly? Okay, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. You should. Uh, you should look to Jesus as an example. However, uh, Jesus is defined as holy. And being holy is being set apart. And in a lot of ways, we will never be like Jesus. Uh, in a lot of ways, if we're trying to be like Paul, who is trying to be like Jesus, uh, we're, we're able to relate to him just in a different way. He, he's a man who's trying to be like Jesus. We can relate to that. Right? Uh, Jesus is a, a little bit harder to relate to his divine, ultimate connection with God and understanding everything about everything all the time. Uh, I, I can't do that. And so uh, being able to connect with Paul is super helpful. Um, now, I, I think that uh, we should go, let's go back to Colossians. And uh, I want to continue on this thought of learning from Paul and how he viewed himself and how that, in turn, affected how he did ministry and how he sought to be not only reliable, but to spread that to other people and pass it on. So we're back in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, it's hard for me to even say Colossians without going, Colossians. <laughs> uh, all right, so Colossians 1, verse 21. Now, this is before what we just read, and, and even, though, even though Paul hasn't ever met these people, he talks about where they were before they were Christians. And I think that's awesome. Because we can do the same thing. We all know that before we were Christians, our lives were like fill in the blank. And we all had different things. But it was all the same. Because it was without Christ. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 21, it said, Once you were alienated from God 
and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the Gospel, This is the gospel that you heard and that has become proclaimed to every creature under heaven in which I, Paul, have become a servant. Start to get how Paul viewed not only himself, but anyone who has gone from darkness into light. He understood that he's been reconciled by Christ's body. He understands that he's now holy in his sight. Free from blemish. Free from accusation. And that if they continue in their faith, firm, they'll have hope in this Gospel. This is the Gospel that you heard. He's never met them, but this is the Gospel that you heard. And I'm sure when they read this, they said, Amen. But he understood that he was a servant. You know, and actually this verse, uh, in other translations, um, the word servant was translated uh, to minister, right? And uh, that's because the Greek word was, uh, uh, sorry, uh, diakonos, okay? So that's where we get deacon. And so the word deacon is really that of a servant. And uh, it was translated to minister, but really uh, the, the best translation is servant. Even it's it's more than that. It's uh, it's less than the like the, the table waiter. It's like the busboy who serves the table waiter, who serves somebody else. It's like the lowest of the low of the rung. It's the guy who picks up the dirty dishes. It's the guy that serves everybody else that's serving everybody else. That's what this word is more referring to. I became a servant of this gospel. You think about the kind of humility that Paul would have to have for that. He's traveling the world on missionary journeys. He's been appointed by God, walking down the street, sees a bright light, encounters the Lord. I would feel pretty special. You know, I would feel pretty singled out. Can you, can you grasp the humility of Paul? Can you grasp the depth of humility that he has? This word, it speaks of commonness. It it speaks of an ultimate level of servitude. You know, in in other places, he calls himself a slave, right? He's totally submissive to God's will in his life. Okay, why is that important? Uh, Because when he understands that about his position with God, then suffering for him is no big deal. And even further than that, he understands that being qualified is not something that he can be in control of. Okay, we're going to continue to unpack this a little bit. Uh, Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul's understanding that it was the Spirit inside of him that allows him to do any good thing is incredibly important. And uh, Tracy did a, a pretty memorable sermon, I think, on this. Uh, because he uh, he called everybody crackpots, right? I, I mean, I've never been called a crackpot by a, like a, a preacher before, so uh, he basically said we were a bunch of crackpots, but 
hey, that gets the point across in what is being said here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul understands that the only thing that would allow him to be qualified or reliable or someone who is trustworthy to handle something as important as the gospel is a total position of servitude where God is the only reason that anything good happens. It's a servant of the most common kind. He's just an ugly, cracked pot. (laughs) The gospel is glorious. I am not. He looks at his life and describes it as a clay pot. It's just a lowly position. Earlier in uh, in 2 Corinthians, he, he says, we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Christ, uh, Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your slaves. And he uses that language more. Why? Because this, it, this, the idea is connected. They have to go together. Because if you view yourself in any position above that of a servant of the gospel, and you begin to think, well, you know, I've, I've, I've earned to be viewed in this way by people. Or I've earned uh, this position of salvation. Or I've earned these things in my life that God has favored me with. Then we automatically get into a position that is totally backwards. We have to understand that we're not preaching ourselves, but Christ in us. Paul viewed himself in this complete and utter position of humility. Um, let's go back to, for, uh, sorry, to Colossians, and we'll begin to close out here. Colossians 1, again, uh, he says that he had become a servant. In verse uh, 20, 23 there, he become a servant. It, it's, it's a passive language. It, it didn't say, I, I, I decided to become a servant. It, it doesn't say that. He said, I... I became a servant. I have become a servant. Why do I make the differentiation? Here's why. Because if you encounter Christ and you make the decision to become a disciple, uh, you no longer have a choice about your position because you've decided to make Jesus Lord. Uh, you don't then get to decide to continue doing things as you would like to do them. Because you are a servant. You have become this. It has been afflicted upon you. It is now your position. Um, I'm guilty of this, as everyone is. um, to, To think that we could decide to let certain areas of our life just go unnoticed knowing that they need to change, knowing that they're unpleasing to God, knowing that they're unpleasing to Him, but we just let them go 
because we, for some reason, have viewed ourselves in a position that is not that of a servant, one where we get to be the master and we get to choose how we want to do things. Uh, this also applies. This also applies to being uh, qualified and to being uh, just prepared and ready to share the gospel. Because if your opinion of yourself is that, well, I can't be used, but God knows that you can, then you're going against God's view of you for your life. If you think, I cannot be used to help someone else become a Christian, you're going against God. Because when He saved you, He saved you in a place where He is living in you to make the change happen. You don't make it anyway. So why would you have the audacity to decide that you can't help someone be saved? You can. You're qualified because Christ qualifies you. You're reliable because Christ is reliable. His promises are reliable. His character is reliable. You don't have to be. Now, that doesn't mean you get to do what you want. It means that your thoughts must change about yourself. Let's close out here in Acts 20. Acts 20, verse 9. You guys okay? I'm feeling intense. Here's, here's what's encouraging. Because if Paul can do it, we can do it too. Because do you know what Paul did with his life? Do you know where he was? Do you know where he came from? Let's talk about it. Acts 20, verse 9. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. That's just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Can you hear pre-disciple Paul? Can you hear pre-disciple Derek, pre-disciple Braylon, uh, pre-disciple Steve? Can you guys hear yourselves in what is being said here? I hope you can. Our lives before have to be radically different than they are right now. You see where Paul came from? He came from a place where not only was he putting uh, Christians to death and approving of their death, but he went as far as hunting them down in foreign cities. Like a, a, a Christian bounty hunter. Like, uh, that'd be a cool movie, actually. Uh, you know, <laughs> Paul, Christian bounty hunter. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, can you, but can you grasp where he was and then where he came to? What was the source of Paul's ministry? What was the source of it? He knows that it was only by God's power that he was where he's at now. And he knows that because of the great depth of sin and the life that he had lived before, that he now must live differently. Let's close out one more time in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 27, and we'll, we'll end here. 
These two things that get in the way of us being effective, of us thinking we're not reliable, I'm not qualified, I can't do it. And then secondly, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to be that person. Let's remember this in Colossians 1, verse 27 and 28. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. There's no hope without Christ in you. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. My encouragement to you guys this morning is to understand that your Definition of being reliable and qualified is not God's definition of being reliable and qualified. And in the times of suffering, He will lift you up, and as you make yourself low, He will exalt you. As He exalts Himself and brings Himself glory. Amen.